Welcome to the Film Coterie. I'm Roger. I'm Adam. And this is episode 57 for the week of August the 3rd, 2018. You're listening to the Film Coterie. What's happening, my friend? It's Gen Con week. Are you getting excited? I am. I leave tomorrow, so we're recording this a bit early. And this is a non-film adventure for me. Lots of board gaming, lots of friends. Just five days to get lost in indie. Yes, this is our like our other passion, right? Yeah. If we were to start a second podcast, it would be the board gaming podcast. Because besides movies, we love to play board games. Yep. Now, the thing is, there is a film festival at Gen Con. It's so poorly advertised. If you go, you don't even know it exists. I couldn't even tell you what movies are playing it. Now, a lot of the times when I've looked, it's some fan films. Like, I know they were doing a Dragon sure. Age fan film. Yeah. So I might try to get a schedule, but like, even on the official page, you just you just can't see what it is. So I don't usually check out the film festival at Gen Con, yeah. but there is one. It's not really about movies. No. Right? It's about... Well, <laughs> well, there are some crazy folks that will go see all three Lord of the Rings extended editions in one go in a theater. That goes on during this fest. That's just craziness. Yeah. I kind of wish I was going with you, though, because I'm a huge board game nut as well, too. You've given me a shopping list. You're you're there in spirit. I've given you my shopping list. And, and, you know, like you said, this is the one place where you can buy games right then that won't be out until sometimes the fall, sometimes first first of next year, you know? And you're actually buying from the developers. There's no middleman, yes. so you're, you're buying direct from the creators. Which is great, and you want to support them as much as you can. So um, while you're going to be in, so we're recording early this week, yep. you know, and so we this is not a typical Thursday night where we went and saw a brand new release. We would have been seeing maybe The Meg this week. I, I, I'm so disappointed about yeah. not getting to see The Meg. I know. But anyway, I, I might bring a, re- a review of The Meg on one of our future podcasts. <laughs> well, next week, we do have a legitimate film festival, and that's the Film Festival of Columbus. Oh, so excited. So make sure you're following us on social media, because I'll post what we're going to be seeing. We'll, yep. we'll be sharing our thoughts as we go yep. through the five days of that festival. Yep. It's a Wednesday through Sunday as well. Yep. On Twitter, Adam is at Film Coterie. That's yep. our official podcast. And then you can follow me. I'm at Roger underscore Leg, L-E-G-G. And we're so, on Instagram, too, so it's at Film Coterie. Yep, so we'll be tweeting and, and gramming and all that good stuff during the film festival. I'm so excited for it. I'm hoping my schedule frees up to where I have some daytime available. We'll just have to play it by ear and see. Yeah. But I do have my evenings and the weekends available to go see. So, yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, tonight I think we're going to do something a little bit different. Um I actually caught a film called Lean on Pete. Mm-hmm. It's now on video on demand. And it came out earlier this year, like April, May-ish, sometime in there. Um, it's A24. It got lost a little bit in the shuffle. Yes. And so I watched it and was really struck by it. And then mm-hmm. you said, oh, yeah, I saw it. It was great. Yeah. And so I said to you, why don't we record an episode and talk about Lean on Pete? Um and also, we have a new favorite TV show that has a heavy movie influence. Um, and uh, the, uh, the TV show Castle Rock debuted on Hulu this week. And for those of you who are not familiar with Castle Rock, that is the city in Maine where a lot of the stuff in Stephen King's world has happened. And so um, there is... Uh, a lot of promise with that first ep- episode, and uh, we're, I, we may even turn that into a weekly segment while the show's going on, where we do a Castle Rock update as we get a chance to watch those. 
it actually got me to spend money on Hulu. That was the one service yeah. I didn't have. So Castle Rock was enough to say, you can have my $8 and I will watch your stuff. Well, Adam, since you actually mentioned that, I'm actually um, uh, excited about this coming to Hulu. And you said you, you spent for the other the additional $3 to be commercial free? Upgraded. So yeah. instead of $8, I paid 11 and that means I watch everything without commercials. You know, maybe I should do that too because I watch two or three shows on Hulu and there's just, they don't do it. It's not obtrusive, but there's just like, really, do we have to stop and take two minutes? I want to see what happens, continues on here, you know. I'm used to it on a show, but it would be weird in a movie. And I don't know that they do it during a movie. They may not. But if I was watching a movie on Hulu and they were stopping it for ads, that's just weird. Yeah, very weird. But so I think that's going to be the podcast for today. We're going to talk a little bit about Lean on Pete. And, uh, and then we'll talk a little bit about Castle Rock, and we'll see what we get into after that, and we'll talk a little coming attractions. I am, like you as well, very excited about our film festival in a couple of weeks, and so uh, I think it's going to be a lot of fun, absolutely. Well, let's jump right in. Let's listen in to a little bit of Lean on Pete. So what do you think about all this, Charlie? What do you mean? Yeah, working the backside, being here in the asshole or nowhere. I like working horses. What's this one's name? Lean on Pete. Here's number six, Lean on Pete. You won, right? Yes. Look, if we're gonna be working together, you gotta get some manners. You gotta chew your food. What does your mom say? I don't know, I don't know her. Does your dad have any manners? I don't know, I guess I haven't really noticed. You gonna be okay on your own today? Yeah. Did your mom leave you or something? Yeah. Reaching out to find you. Hey, Pete. How you doing? Put a call behind you. Can't get attached to the horse. Why not? They're here to race and nothing else. Listen, kid, things are changing. What do you mean? I'm selling him. He's not a pet. He's just a horse. I'll buy him. What? With what money? And where are you going to keep him? Not in my stalls. Come on, Pete. I'm going to get us out of here. My horse needs water. Do you mind if I get some? Who's that? It's a kid with a horse. I'm sorry, Charlie, but I need to call someone for you. Just give me a number. There is no money. Charlie! And you don't have anywhere else to go. You're kind of stuck. Do you guys think I could get a job around here? Yeah, there's a lot of jobs for homeless kids. I'm not homeless. So you're a runaway? No. Okay, Charlie, where are your parents? Get on him next. He's not for riding. All right, and we're back. And tonight's feature film that we're going to talk about is um, Lean on Pete. It is directed by Andrew Haig. And um, his other credits are like 45 years, I think. He's only got two or three films that I'm aware of. He's a British director. I, can't, I don't know what else he's done. I know he did 45 years a couple years ago. 
Um, and th this film is, um, th the summary on IMDb reads like this. A teenager gets a summer job working for a horse trainer and befriends the fading racehorse. Lean on Pete. I think this movie is going to struggle to find an audience just because of the subject matter and the box art. It looks like a horse movie. When I say horse movie, you kind of get something in your mind that it's a teenager having to learn responsibilities through having a horse. Then there's going to be some kind of storm and they have to chase the horse down and rescue it. You know, that's every yes. horse movie. Yeah, I, you in know, a nutshell. Yeah, you're so right, Adam. When I first saw this film, um, I, I just immediately went to my stream of consciousness and started making notes. And then I was thinking about the podcast today, writing more notes. Uh, and I, I wrote here, I said, Lean on Pete. We are led to believe we're, we're, we're going to get a heartwarming movie about a boy and his horse. Nothing could be further from the truth. <laughs> That's true. That is true. It's not a heartwarming movie. Yeah. So so this is a hard movie to sell. It came from A24. Yeah. It's a great movie. It is. It's a really say, good movie. I'm going to say right up front, this is a great movie. This, this movie is going to probably end up on my top 10 of the year. It's on Amazon Prime, so it is free to stream if you have that service. And, you know, I, I'm glad I didn't have to cut the trailer for it because a lot happens. I mean, this is kind of a road movie, if I had to put it into a genre. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I would say that part of it is a, it is a road movie. But it, it's a heavy drama. And yeah. it, I think it helps you maybe build some empathy towards, you know, people that are down on their luck because, you know, we're, we're kind of, I know I am. We're, I live downtown. We can be quick to dismiss people that sometimes need some help. Right. But this movie is just a, a boy's journey from one chapter of his life to another. Yeah. And there's so much I really want to talk about in this film. And I don't know how much we'll get into spoilers because you really can't talk about it yeah. without really getting into spoilers. So I'm going to tiptoe that. Um, I don't know, Adam, how, how, how spoilery should we get with this film? Because it's already on video on demand. Should we just tell our audience up front we're going to talk that we both recommend it? We, we, recommend, we totally recommend you go, at least I do, that you totally go see it. It's or you rent it and watch it. And if you're going to do that, stop the tape and go do that. Well, I'll say this. There's some gut punches in here that could be spoiled. So, I mean, I think it's there are two gut punches for me, two really impactful yeah. scenes. So I'll say that it's a, a boy's leaving his family and he's trying to find this other part of his family that he's been out of contact with and can't even reach. You know, they may have been married and they, there may be a name change. So he's trying to get across the country and start a new life. Right. And he does take this racehorse with him. I mean, that's is kind of his first job is working on this track for Steve Buscemi's character. Yep. And he's he's an emotional kid, and the horse is going to get put down, sold for glue. And he steals right. the horse and runs. Well, let's talk about some of the – and I, it's a great synopsis, Adam. Yeah. Let's talk a little bit about some of the actors in this. Charlie Plummer is the lead playing Charlie. Um, and I don't want to save him for last. I want to talk about him a little bit later. But we have uh, Travis Fimmel, who plays Ray, his dad. And I want to talk about him a lot, too, because his character I found really intriguing. Steve Buscemi plays the beat-down, worn-down, li life-sucked-out-of-him horse trainer. When we say horse trainer, he's not playing in any major tracks. He's going to some little dirt carnivals yes. and rodeos. This is the bottom rung of horse racing, you know. Yeah. Um, and then you have um, uh, Chloe Sevigny, Sevigny that plays his um, the female jockey that kind of kind of a trainer trainer vet yeah. maybe 
Yeah. Yeah, she's not a jockey. They make well, jokes about it. Yeah, yeah. And so she's kind of like, I don't know, the stand-in mom figure a little bit, you know, you would say. Um, yeah. So let's let's back up. So Steve Buscemi, let's talk, talk about his performance, okay? Mm-hmm. Solid. Um, it's interesting, and this this is the theme through this whole movie, there's a lot of sound going on off screen. If you think about yeah. this film, there's a lot of sound that is drawing you away from what you're actually seeing. I think just about every scene with Steve Buscemi, you hear him before you ever see him. And um, that's interesting because he is a kind of a larger than life kind of guy. Um, but he plays just, he's not in it very long at all, but he plays a, um, just that grizzled, beat down, worn down. I, I don't think he inherently began his career to be a mean, old, nasty trainer that just runs horses into the ground, you know. Um, but that's where life has taken him, you know. Uh, and so Pete, even though this is Charlie's first encounter with a horse and his first real connection, Pete is um, just another horse to, to you know, to... Um, um, to Dale, which is played by Steve Buscemi. Uh, but I think he does a good job with the role. I really liked, though, Charlie's dad, Ray. That's Travis Fimmel. Yes. He, I've never seen a character, I've never seen a dad portrayed. Like, like the movie opens with Charlie tiptoeing around the house and looking and peeking to see, is dad home? Or is, you know, mom and dad home? Who's home? Like he's afraid to get caught. And so there's this tension like, oh, man, what's this What's this like? You know, and then he goes off and he does a run. Well, the next morning you see the dad and, and he has such an ominous presence, scary almost, you mm-hmm. know, like there's violence ready to be unleashed at any second. Yet he's this big gullible teddy bear when it comes to a son. I mean, there's no you would think Charlie is going to be real fearful of him. There's no fear whatsoever from Charlie with his dad. They have this incredible, unique, gullible, lovable, weird, as if dad raised him his whole life kind of relationship, you know? Yeah. Yet, yet Travis is yet Dale, or excuse me, Ray, the, the dad, he's a train wreck, you know, he is a real train wreck, you know? And, and, and you know, that things, He's made some really stupid decisions in his life, and and consequences come because of those, you know. So I thought his character was really, really interesting. But the star by far of the show is Charlie. And one thing real quick on Travis Fimmel. I had not seen him in much. He was the human lead in Warcraft. Yeah, I wouldn't. (laughs) You wouldn't tie those together because he's he's playing a different character here. But that's about the only things I've seen him. He's he's good in both. Yeah, he's good in both, and he's, he's excellent here. But to me, Charlie Plummer just steals the show. I mean, his he's he is excellent. I, I, think, I don't know that there's any scenes without him in it. I think we're totally seeing the rise of a superstar. I mean, this kid has got serious acting chops. Without giving away any of the details, since Adam has put me on a spoiler, <laughs> no spoiler path. It matters for this movie. Yes. Yeah. Um, he plays the role so quiet, so understated. In the first act... He's so there's he's all of his acting is more physicality than it is actual words spoken. The way he holds himself, the way he sits, the way he moves, um, and he communicates a lot 
physically with his acting in the first act. Yeah, and it's a road movie, so each of the characters he comes across changes him. Steve Steve Buscemi helps come in and open him up a little bit and jokes about he's got no manners, the way he just sits and gobbles food. Yeah, And then Steve Zahn toughens him up. Yep. It's another character he runs into. Steve Zahn plays a... Another guy that's down on his luck, living yeah. in an RV. Well, and and so one of the things I loved about the transformation in Charlie, and you're so correct, there's this whole second act where he's on the road, mm-hmm. and and specifically in that second act, there's a scene in the desert, in the wilderness, that is almost dreamlike, that's almost like, like metaphorically, like he's on this journey, you know, that's way out there. Um, man, there's so much to say about this film. And then the third act. And so it's, it's during, if you notice during the, if it, so good when he's in the wilderness and in the desert, it turns into a monologue for Charlie. He talks without stopping mm-hmm. and he's just re he's just literally, I don't know if he's, it's almost like it's, he's doing that so that he doesn't go crazy in the desert and he makes it through. But it's also a way of now we're getting to hear his inner monologue. What's inside his head? What's he really thinking? Um, You're fine. Okay. Um, and so, I don't know. I just was really blown away, loved his portrayal. And then his release of emotion at the toward the end of the film is incredible and just tore me to pieces. There are two things that were gut punches. And I want to say what they are. One of them is the obvious gut punch in the movie, okay, that I did not see coming whatsoever. The second one is at the very end of the film where Charlie has to release some emotion. He's, he, there's a communication with him that, that is a little unexpected, and it's like his emotions finally release. And I just thought he nailed both of them. I thought, my God, this kid needs to get nominated for some kind of acting award. This is yeah, just a great and performance. And that's the thing. It, it just came out too early in the year. It's going to get buried. And, yeah. I know. Totally. And I, I feel kind of the same way right now. I saw a movie last weekend called um, Don't Worry, He Won't Get Far on Foot. And Joaquin Phoenix is a really good performance in there, but when you come out in the middle of the summer, it's just harder to be remembered when it t- comes time in award season. Yeah. I mean, so, look what happened to A Ghost Story. I know. If that had been a November release, I think yes. things could have been different. Absolutely. So let me ask you a question. Horses are often depicted in several different ways, and they're often metaphors in films. You know, uh, horses are often ways that if the main character can't connect with the regular society, maybe they connect with the horse. And so my question to you, Adam, is: is is Pete a metaphor? And if he is a, so is he a metaphor in this film, or is he just? Just a dumb, simple animal that's a vehicle to move the plot along. Well, that's the you thing. He, the horse doesn't really move the plot along too uh, much. Right. So, so, but do you think he's a metaphor or not? And if he is, for whom or what is he a metaphor for? I believe this was based on a book, so I don't know if there's bigger themes. I didn't really, and I may have missed it, I, I didn't really pick up on this as a theme movie. I mean, there, there certainly could be some elements, but I, I'd have to know what the book said, you know. Okay. Well, for me, yeah. I, I, I think that, that the horse is absolutely a metaphor for Charlie himself. He's a reflection of Charlie. Yeah. When you watch this horse's journey uh, from beginning to end and the transformation that happens in, in Charlie from beginning to end, 
Absolutely. I think just that was my take on it. He's absolutely a metaphor for Charlie and his life. Um, You know, if you watch like the great classic, um, you know, Black Beauty and some of the great classic horse movies, you know, those are stories about how a boy connects with a horse or a girl connects with a horse and the horse goes on a journey. This is really about, you know, how this boy goes on a journey and the horse is somewhat a vehicle to facilitate that journey, you know. Um, but I saw a lot of things without getting into details, but just simple things like, you know, the horse has a trainer who is really disinterested, not really there, doesn't care whether he wins or loses. If he doesn't win, okay, we'll just ship him off. In one sense, you have, you know, Charlie has a dad or a family setting that's very similar to the horse's setting. Yeah. Disinterested, you know, okay, if you're there, I'll, I'll be gone for two or three days, make sure you feed yourself, that kind of thing, you know. Um, you know, no real abuse going on in either situation, really, but not really the attention that it needs, you know. Um, I don't know. I, I just saw a lot of a lot of really cool, cool things. Um, this is a, this film really is, shows us. I think there's a grittiness to this film that shows us what the very bottom tier of horse racing is about. But it's not a movie about that. Right. And that's going to be the thing. When you're flipping through and yes. you're seeing one image and a name, Lean on Pete, which isn't the best name for this movie, honestly. No, it's not. You're going to think it's a horse movie, but it, it's something else. And it, it's definitely worth checking out. Yeah. Why? There, there's a scene where Pete and the horse are on this journey. And i, I got to get your thoughts on this. And then I'll shut up about this movie. <laughs> but this movie just so... Oh, yeah. I love this movie. There's a scene where... Um, the boy is leading the horse across the country, first by truck, you know, then eventually just on foot. And they come across these guys, and one of them is, knows how to ride a horse. These guys in the wilderness, part of his dreamlike journey. Yeah. And the guy jumps on the horse and rides him. And he says, do you want to ride next? And, and, and Charlie says, no, I've never ridden him. Now, my question is this, Adam. Why does it never occur to him to ride Pete? I think that's totally intentional by the director. Yeah. Why does... Because he walks the horse through the desert. He just leads him. Why would he never consider riding the horse? (laughs) I'm hitting him with all these questions tonight. Well, you know, he's never been trained, and he's... We don't know much about his home life. He was just a kid that probably had to stay in his room and and, and do stuff. It may never just dawned on him or could it and i think that's true or could it be too or or and could it be every time pete is riding ridden he's ridden into the ground yeah and that's not how charlie views himself in relationship to pete he would never do to pete what he's always seen done to pete when he's just ridden in the worst tracks he's run too often you know there's a different there's an equality between pete and the boy. I don't know. I Maybe I'm just reading way too much in this movie. <laughs> no, I mean, you may be right. But for me personally, I've never ridden yeah. a horse in my life. Yeah. Well, I see, be, I, I have ridden horses many times, yeah, you know? Yeah, I'd be hesitant just to jump on in the I, middle of no, nowhere. I, absolutely. Oh, man, I made a whole bunch of notes because this movie just really, really, really nailed me. Um, are there any overarching themes? Loneliness comes to mind when I think of this. Um coming of age in a very obscure way. 
Yeah. You know, coming into adulthood from uh, from a, a teenage boy at 16 to a real transformation in Charlie by the end of the film. Um, I don't know. There's just a ton of really cool stuff going on here. So I don't know. That's my I, go see Lean on Pete. Get in the conversation. I could talk about this movie all night. We've already been 20 minutes on it, so I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to overplay it. But uh, it, it, this is just one of those movies, Adam, that I never saw coming. I never, totally not what I thought it was, and I thoroughly was engaged and and emotionally connected, and gut punched, and crying at the end. The whole nine yards. Just loved Lean on Pete. It's going right into my best of 2018. Yeah, I concur. It's a good one. I don't know if it'll make my top 10, but it's it's a, a full recommend for me, without a-, a question. Absolutely. Okay, that's going to do it for Lean on Pete. Uh, in our next segment, we're going to look at a Hulu film that's based in the strongly influenced by by a writer, Stephen King, and also many films done by Stephen King. And that is the Hulu show Castle Rock. Let's take a little listen in on Castle Rock, and we'll be right back after the preview. Young man, who are you? What's your name? We got no records of you. How'd you get inside this prison? Who put you down that hole? What brings you home? I got a call from Shawshank. I found a kid in the cage. Call from who? Don't know yet. Has it begun? There's a place where lovers go to cry their troubles away. And they call it People say Lonesome Town. Every inch of this town where the broken hearts stay is stained with someone's sin. thought the devil was just a metaphor. God help me, I did. I'm telling you, there's something wrong with that kid. What's happening here, do you? I can learn to forget. All right, we're back, and we are going to talk about the new Hulu series, Castle Rock, which just premiered. Yes. So it's on Hulu, and if you have Hulu before, they actually release episodes weekly. So it's not like Netflix or Amazon where you get all 10 at once and you can right. binge or whatever. Yeah. So with Castle Rock, thankfully, they put up the first three episodes. And now they're going to start releasing weekly. So the episode four will hit this week on Wednesday. 
the season will play out, and I think they might release the last two together. Okay. So. Well, and you've seen the all three of them. Correct? I've seen all three, yes. And, and I've seen the first two, so. Okay. We'll just focus on the first two. Yeah. We wanted to talk about this because it has such a huge tie-in to the Stephen King multiverse. Oh, yeah. And then Stephen King's multiverse has a huge film tie-in. And that's where I connect to Stephen King. I actually have not read very many of his books, but I've seen all the movies. I've seen a lot more of the movies than I've read the books, but the books that I have read, I have thoroughly enjoyed. You know, something about his writing style just appeals to me, the way he just connects characters and tells stories and... um, Believe it or not, the very first Stephen King book I ever read was The Stand, and it was like 1,100 and some pages. Mm-hmm. It was it was the unabridged, re-released 144,000 more words or something, you know. And I remember just getting so engrossed in the story and the characters, and then you, you would read for an hour or so about one character, and then it'd go to another character, and you'd read for an hour or so about them, and you'd never think these two characters would ever meet or are connected, but sometime, somehow by the end of the story, they meet each other, you know? So I just, I, I, I've really enjoyed his, um, not read a lot of his books, but I've seen a lot of his movies. So Castle Rock, it has the connective tissue of Stephen King. It involves a lot of his stories, but you don't have to know Stephen King to like this show because right. the general story for this, the plot, is all new. This yeah. isn't based on any yeah. property, at least so far what we've seen. It's an all-new story, so Stephen King fans will get maybe a little more out of it from the Easter eggs. That's all they are so far, just little Easter eggs to other stories, whereas I think anyone can really enjoy the show so far with the the plot as it's unveiling. No, I agree. Um, and, you you know, we watched uh, episode two tonight, and so I was able to catch up a little bit, and you were pointing out some of the Easter eggs to me. I guess I just miss a lot of that. I, I don't normally catch those Easter eggs, and so I'm going to kind of rely on you. I, I, I will say this. I'm really enjoying the first two episodes because it's suspenseful, mm-hmm. paranormal, weird stuff, you know? And knowing so much about the history and, and, and all the different stories and that so much of it, I think we looked it up on the Internet, but there are a dozen, 10 or 12 of his novels take place in Castle Rock, and then there are another dozen to dozen and a half stories that reference Castle Rock, you know. So a lot of his work is in and around this little town of Castle Rock. Which is just a little sleepy, kind of dying New England town. Yeah, but it also is the home of the of the Shawshank Prison as well, yes. which is probably one... The probably, most prominent location. Probably, and, and probably the most iconic Stephen King movie in the modern era, maybe. I mean, you know, I I think if I pulled all of my... Now, I wouldn't say that because I've seen The Shining and I've seen yeah. Carrie and I've seen uh, Firestarter and, you know, but I guarantee you for a lot of my friends, their only Stephen King exposure has been the Shawshank Redemption. Okay. You know. But, I, mean, I don't know, maybe I just conjecture on my part, well, too. Well, I mean, I would go with The Shining. It's just one of my favorite No, I movies. would, too. But yeah, I'm just saying, classic. knowing my friends, Shawshank is one like everybody has seen. My wife has seen Shawshank Redemption, you know? Let me say it's maybe the most mainstream or crossover. I don't know. I like Shining so much, I travel to wherever the Overlook oh. Film Festival goes to, so I can, <laughs> I can enjoy. Yes, you do. Every year, my friend. So the general plot so far is that, and this isn't really spoiling anything, um, the warden of... Shawshank Prison takes his own life, and then as the new warden comes in, they discover that in this burned-out old section, 
the old warden had kept a prisoner, a private prisoner, a young man, and they don't know who he is. He has no record. Why did he keep him in this vault? And he only says one name. He says Henry Deaver. Right. And that's now a young man who grew up as an orphan in the town and then moved down south as a lawyer and has come back and he has his own baggage. This story very much feels like Vintage King because it's a modern story, but then there's stuff from their childhood. There's the sins of the past coming to the surface. Even though King did not write this, it feels... It does. Like it fits in his world. And a lot of flashback. Mm -hmm. Modern time flashback to the early 90s. Modern time flashback to the early 90s, which gives it that real Stephen King-esque feel as well, too. Yeah. And the mystery so far is good. It's very well paced. They're doing a good job introducing all these characters. And this is a J.J. Abrams-produced show, and it has a lot of his hallmarks as well. I mean, he's a good storyteller, and he's the guy that loves the mystery box. Whether that mystery box pays out... That's the million-dollar question. That's the big question. Yeah, absolutely. But I've been very intrigued after the first couple episodes, and the second episode I thought was much better than the first one because we're really getting into the meat of what's going on. Um, Let's just put it this way. There's a lot more development about this boy that's found in the in the prison, and and more than just the warden and a couple people know about this boy in the in the prison. And so, um, will he be a um, you know will he be the MacGuffin, the thing that the whole first season centers around? I have a tendency to I'm leaning toward yes, mm-hmm. um, but I want to say right up front that I think. If I had to put money down, if this runs multiple seasons, I think uh, the sheriff, um, I forgot his name. Pangborn. Pangborn will be the character on which the whole series revolves around. So Scott Glenn is playing an older version of Sheriff Pangborn in this series. And if you've read any of King, Pangborn's been the hero or a sheriff of some other stories. Yeah. He's a man that's seen a lot. He's gruff, weary. And uh, just like everyone else, he thinks the town is evil. Yeah, absolutely. And that, you know, they may need some protectors. And with a lot of Stephen King works, there is um, some real good versus evil, some religious overtones. Um, Yeah, it's just really, really, it's really good, man. I'm really digging these first couple episodes. If you're a fan at all of any of the Stephen King stuff, I'd highly recommend you check it out. It's worth to me. It, even if you're not, yeah, to me, it's worth the eight to eleven bucks a month just to get this one show. Now, I actually watch a couple other shows on Hulu, so it's, I'm getting added value. But it's even if all you did was watch Castle Rock to this point, it's worth the eight bucks a month, you know. Yeah, and I do want to stress, like if if the word cinematic universe spooky, like you know the Marvel movies, if maybe if you don't watch them in order, you might miss something or not get as much out of it. That's not the case here. I mean, these are just Easter eggs. So, for example, you might see a newspaper clipping about a rabid dog tearing through town, which, again, doesn't matter to this story. Right. But for fans, that was Cujo. Oh, yeah. Or narrator mentions the summer that the boys found that body down by the tracks, which yep. is Stand By Me. Stand By Me. So, again, these don't affect the plot. They're just fun little Easter eggs. And, and that may change. I mean, there could be something from a Stephen King property become the well, major plot device. And, and we saw a couple of cars in garages, and I, and, and it, it definitely didn't go there, but my mind immediately thought of Carrie when I'm thinking of car in the garage. Or Christine. And, I mean, Christine, excuse yeah. me, um, of Christine. You know, here's this, what's going on with this car in the garage kind of a deal, you know. And there's a character named Jackie Torrance. If you know yes. the last name Torrance, you know The Shining. 
Yeah. And so far there's no direct ties. Is that just a nod or is that going to have a bigger impact? We don't know. I don't know. But I think you can certainly enjoy the show just as much as anyone. You just don't get the added benefit of maybe spotting some Easter eggs if you like to spot the Easter eggs. Yep, absolutely. So uh, I'd recommend Castle Rock. I think it's great. Um, I've enjoyed it so far. I hope it will pay off. I have that same kind of feeling I did when I first started watching Lost. This is weird. This is different. This is strange. Oh, this is kind of Stephen King-ish, you know. And then six seasons later, you're like, when will this end? I know. I don't want that, you know. I will uh, say this. I'm kind of enjoying the releasing schedule. If this, like with Stranger Things season two, I blew through it. Right. If this came out last week, I would have already been done with it and moved on to the next thing. This pacing it out might be better for the story. And like, you don't have to worry about going on social media and have everyone spoil something for you on day two. No one has seen the rest of it yet. So... Every week an episode is okay. It gives us time to enjoy it and spread it out. Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for Castle Rock. I think that's going to wrap it up for today. Why don't we Why don't we take a quick break and come right back? We'll do our coming attraction segment where we'll talk for a few minutes about what's coming to the theaters that we're looking forward to seeing and what will be happening on the next couple episodes of the Film Coterie Podcast. <laughs> All right, and we're back, and this is our coming attraction segment. I just want to say right up front, Adam, I know I'm going to piss off people in our audience right now, but I'm going to predict that August will be the worst month of major motion picture cinema of the entire year. It could be, but here's the good news. So if you ever heard us complain about the trailers, we see again and again and again. Oh. We're getting rid of three of them this month. Yes, we are. We will no longer have to watch uh, Axel. Yes. Or Kin. Yes. Or The Darkest Minds. The Darkest Minds. All three premiering this month. <laughs> all three are this month, and they're all the bane of my existence when the trailers you have up. to You have to realize when the Meg is the highlight of the month, you're in real trouble. Uh, yeah. I mean, Christopher Robin might be the best movie of the month, yeah, but it, it's not doing maybe. much for me. Yeah. The Spy Who Dumped Me has gotten some bad reviews. I've, we haven't seen it yet, obviously, but there's not a lot of buzz. Uh, the Meg. Ugh. Crazy Rich Asians is going to be huge. Mark my word that this comedy is going to open. Okay. Even above projections. I think it's going to explode. Okay. Mile 22 could actually be pretty decent yeah, for it, action. It looked okay. Yeah. Absolutely. Happy Time Murders at the end of the month. That is. It's going to be. <laughs> there's not going to be okay. It's going to be either terrible or great. Yeah. And we're going to have to review it. That's just. It's just. We're going to have to go see it and review it. And, and do it, you know? And something called The Little Stranger. I'll just point out that I'm a horror fan, and when I read this quickly, I read it as The Little Strangler. <laughs> that that sounds more uh, interesting to me than The Little Stranger. It does me, too. Getting strangled with tiny hands. Yeah, maybe if it was called The Little Greasy Strangler, that would be even <laughs> better. sequel, yeah. <laughs> Let me just say this, folks. From your film coterie friends here, this is the month to go visit your independent cinema. Yes. To go see a foreign film, to go see a documentary, Go see something with subtitles. You owe it to yourself to broaden your horizons. Go see something outside the box. Because it appears to me that the mainstream 
releases for the month of August are going to be terrible. Now, will I go see them? Yes, because I am an AMC A-lister. And so I get three free movies a month for my monthly subscription of $19. So I'm probably going to see all, if not most, of these films that I'm going to believe are terrible. But I will report back, because I owe it to you, the listener, to bring you my unfiltered, unbiased, well, I don't know how unbiased, but I'm going to try to be unbiased review. Certainly unfiltered. Of Axel and... Oh, no. <laughs> and and um, The Darkest Minds. And Ken. And Ken. Oops. Yes. Yeah. I will go see them, because there will be a Tuesday afternoon at 3 o'clock where I have nothing in the world to do. Now, just so you know, before we went back for the segment, I, I just rattled off some movies that Roger should see. And there's some good stuff coming out in limited release in August. Okay. I mean, uh, Black Klansman, the new Spike Lee movie. Yes. With Adam Driver. Yes. Um, Summer of 84, which we are going to see next week at the film festival. Yes. Comes out in the limited release later in the month. Uh, Destination Wedding with uh, Keanu Reeves and uh, Winona Ryder actually looked okay. pretty funny for a romantic yeah. comedy. And some others. I haven't seen all these titles, though. Searching, that's the John Cho movie where his daughter goes missing and it's all based on the screen. So there's there's good indie yeah. stuff. I, I, you might be better off avoiding the main big fair. Go to your local independent cinema. Buy popcorn. Go Find a university town near you and go there to find the movie theater. The little three-screen movie theater in your university town and check out something that will stretch you or inspire you. All right, so... Okay, Adam, I think that's going to wrap it up for the Film Coterie. Uh, we'll be back in a couple weeks with our film festival, right? Yes, The, the next Film week. Festival of Columbus. So we'll be back wrapping up the Film Festival of Columbus. And then, folks, before you know it, we're going to roll into fall. And uh, when football is in the air, there will be some great dramas and Oscar stuff will begin to roll out in October, November. October will be a lot of horror films, of course. And then November and December, Thanksgiving on, will be a whole slew of Oscar contenders. So we'll see. Anyway, Adam, anything else? I think that's it for me. All right. You're listening to the Film Coterie Podcast. We'll catch you guys next time.